HSD are experts in delivering tech solutions to the vet sector, working with clients such as the Department of Education, Skills and Employment, ASQA and the VRQA. HSD understand the complexities of VET, its systems and data. We specialise in systems integration, customer relationship management systems, Microsoft platforms and migrating organisations to the cloud. So whether you're looking for advice on integrating your systems, meeting your data reporting requirements or looking to gain insights into your stakeholders, HSD are here to help. Visit hsd.com.au or follow us on LinkedIn. From Claire Field and Associates, I'm Claire, and I'm pleased that you could join me for this episode of What Now, What Next? Insights into Australia's tertiary education sector episode 52 and this one is for everyone interested in the vet sector but doesn't have time to read through the details of two recent NCVR publications nor the time to read through my analysis of both which you can find on the news page on my website clearfield.com.au. I know there are plenty of you who prefer to ponder what's happening in the sector while you're out running, walking or even mowing the lawns And so this podcast is for you. We've now got data on all VET activity in 2020, whether it was government funded or paid for by domestic students, their employers or by international students. And then most recently, we've got new data on all government funded enrolments in VET in the first three months of this year. And we can compare that with up to five years of data for the same time frame. There are a number of things to draw your attention to, both in terms of differences between different types of providers and in terms of the courses students are enrolling in. So let's start with the 2020 data first. What happened last year during COVID compared with activity across previous years? And again, we can go back up to five years. Or we can go back further than that, but uh, in the readily available data, uh, we can easily go back five years. So firstly, uh, the TAFE sector, and I think there are some really worrying trends there. Considering that TAFE institutes are state and territory government's own training arms or divisions, we've seen them do somewhat better than other providers in terms of government-funded enrolments, um, a decline of just 2% since 2016. But the problem for the TAFE sector is that that small decline has come at the same time of much larger declines in enrolments which are domestic fee-for-service or international student fee-for-service. So international student numbers are down nearly 40% in five years in TAFE, despite the last five years being a period of massive increase in international student numbers in universities, ELICOS, and private providers. So, okay, 2020 was a, a, a difficult year for the ELICOS and university sector, but um, in the private vet sector, uh, international student numbers held up and certainly there had been growth in uh, all of the preceding years. That's not true in the TAFE sector. And even worse, I think, uh, domestic fee-for-service enrolments at TAFE have plummeted by two-thirds in the same five-year period. Why? Well, 
The decline in domestic fee-for-service enrolments when you look at the state level um, is common across all jurisdictions except Tasmania. Well done, Tas TAFE. And it bounced around a bit in the ACT over that five-year period. But everywhere else, domestic fee-for-service enrolments have been on a downward trajectory since 2016, and that was most noticeable in New South Wales. Now, that period coincides with a lot of upheaval in many TAFE systems. You've seen mergers in New South Wales, Queensland and WA and major changes to TAFE funding, including free TAFE in Victoria. It's hard for large organisations, well, probably any organisations, but large organisations to innovate and be responsive when they're undergoing major systemic changes to their organisation. It wasn't just TAFE, though, that saw a decline in domestic fee-for-service revenues. Independent providers also experienced a decline over the last uh, five years, although their decline was noticeably smaller, down 18% compared with the 67% in TAFE. Private providers lost 10% of their government-funded enrolments over that five-year period, although that's at a national level. Most of those de- the decline came in Victoria and smaller declines in the ACT and Tasmania. In fact, in all other jurisdictions, government-funded enrolments at independent providers grew between 2016 and 2020. And of course, uh, private providers as a group also experienced a significant, that 75%, uh, increase in their international student numbers over that period of time. In terms of what sits behind the drop for both private providers and TAFEs in the domestic fee-for-service activity, it's pretty clear that the desirability of what's on offer is part of the problem. As the world of work changes increasingly frequently and traditional industries like transport and logistics, manufacturing and resources make greater use of automation, it's increasingly equipment manufacturers which are providing a growing portion of their in-house training. And in other industries like retail, IT, finance and business, there's a growing use of non-accredited, non-accredited alternatives which are more user-friendly, cheaper, often free, and have significant industry credibility. So when you look at subject-only enrolments by training package, you can see an overall decline in the use of the VET sector in the following industries. Agriculture, horticulture, conservation and land management, creative arts and culture, financial services, food, beverage and pharmaceutical, hairdressing and beauty services, ICT, public services, resources and infrastructure, retail services and transport and logistics. But again, worryingly for the TAFE sector, I think, is that there's another shift underway in other industry areas and that's from TAFE to private vet providers and that's in animal care and management, construction and plumbing, foundation skills, furnishing, property services, sport, fitness and recreation, and tourism, travel and hospitality. In that last group of industries, there's been a decline in subject-only enrolments at TAFE 
and an increase or no decline at private providers, indicating a shift in student and employer preferences. Keep in mind, subject-only enrolments are typically not government subsidised. So this isn't about where government subsidies are going. It's about students and employers who are driving the change. So against that changing pattern, what do I think that means for both independent providers and TAFE? For independent providers, keep doing what you're doing. Keep quality and student and employer satisfaction high. Don't get too complacent if you currently have government funding. While the shift is clearly to more money going to students studying with independent providers at present, if my time in VET has taught me anything, it is not to put all your eggs in one basket, as specialist CRICOS providers are now experiencing through no fault of their own. But as we've seen previously with government funding, it gets turned on and turned off uh, new policies and eligibility rules are announced, often overnight. So by all means, do seek government funding to offer your eligible students support to study with you, but don't get too reliant on it. Do have other revenue sources available to fund the training that you offer. Be prepared, government policy changes. And in the TAFE sector, I think that the answers are more complex simply because of their government ownership. One former TAFE Institute director who's looked at the analysis I've published in the last couple of weeks is of the view that these trends are not necessarily bad and, in fact, his argument is that the focus for the TAFE sector should be on government-funded full qualifications. I disagree. I think reducing TAFE solely or almost exclusively to that focus would diminish a lot of the excellent innovation and new initiatives that different institutes have introduced with employers and their communities. I also think it's risky because, as for private providers, but more so, these funding decisions are all political. So if TAFEs are almost exclusively reliant on government funding, then arguably they will be more buffeted around by policy and funding changes. I've worked in TAFE, as some of you know, and uh, had a, a relatively senior role at the time and was told back then to work with the 10 TAFE Institute directors to cut courses and do so in a way which would cause the least community disquiet. Very many decisions like this, which are made in the TAFE sector, are political decisions done for good reasons by the governments of the day. But to ignore that reality, I think, is dangerous. And I also think that a loss of employer engagement and therefore an ongoing decline in TAFE's domestic fee-for-service activity, it seems to me that that's likely to shut TAFE out from a lot of the innovation happening in industry. And then that makes it harder again for them to transfer that back to their teaching practices. And as for not trying to rebuild international student enrolments in TAFE, both onshore and let's not forget offshore, some TAFEs do a lot offshore, I think that would be a real shame, notably for TAFE students who can learn so much from the international students who study with them. For TAFE Institute directors and senior staff then, I think the strategy needs to be a twofold one. Firstly, looking realistically 
at where they can rebuild their fee-for-service offerings. So not in digital, let's say, unless you've got something that can really compete with the $300 Google certificates or the free Atlassian or other short courses that are on offer, which have high industry credibility. And secondly, engaging ministers with why it's a good strategy to build up some of your fee-for-service revenues, albeit secondary, of course, to delivering on the Institute's government-funded activities and community service obligations. So against that backdrop comes the latest government-funded data for the first three months of 2021. And again, there's a second article um, in the news section of my website if you want to go through this. And once again, it's not easy reading for TAFEs or community providers. It shows that during COVID, governments in many jurisdictions have relied on independent providers for a large proportion of the increased training activity which they've been funding. The number of government-funded students in VET in the first three months of 2021 was 18% higher than in 2017. And by provider type, the differences were Independent providers up 26%, TAFEs and other government providers up 16%, students and community, government funded students and community providers down 3%, and government funded students at other providers up 33%, and other providers, it's a big catch all, vet in schools, enterprise RTOs, industry associations, etc. Looking at just the annual difference between January and March 2020 and the same period this year, there was an 11% increase in government-funded students, but government-funded students at independent providers were up nearly a quarter, 24%. TAFE student numbers were up just 6%, and again, it's the ACE sector which suffered badly, government-funded students at community providers were down 7%. When you look across the different jurisdictions, there's some really stark differences. I'm not going to go through state by state, five years for TAFE, five years for private providers, one year, et cetera, et cetera. I'm just going to talk through some of the, the largest differences. In New South Wales, the five-year change in enrolments in private providers up 121% in five years compared to an increase in TAFE of just 27%. In Victoria, in the last 12 months, so between January and March 2020 and January and March 2021, a 15% decline in government-funded students in TAFE compared with a 20% increase in government-funded students at private providers. Queensland, about the same increase in over a one-year period between TAFE and private providers, but looked at over five years. The five-year increase in government-funded students in that first three months in the TAFE sector back in, in between 2017 and 2021, a 7% increase in Queensland compared to a 25% increase for private providers over the same time period. 
And there's more, a 159% increase over five years in government-funded students at private providers in South Australia, 26% increase in students enrolling, government-funded students enrolling at private providers in WA in a one-year period, a 26% increase compared with a 4% decrease in TAFE. And again, you can have a look. That data is on my website um, or in the, the NCVR data. But it clearly shows a shift towards governments relying on uh, private or independent providers, um, including most recently during the COVID period. Now, when you look at where the enrolments occurred, unsurprisingly, health and community services experienced the greatest increases across both the five-year and one-year periods. But very surprisingly, and I say that even though I've been analysing NCVR student enrolment data for literally 23 years because I've counted it up, and I do always find something new and surprising in it every time I look at uh, their latest data, Anyway, this was surprising to me. The second highest training package for program enrolments in VET was, drumroll please, non-training package enrolments. Yes, I know that doesn't make sense. Uh, I haven't lost my mind. So despite all of the efforts that the VET sector has put into training package development processes, and don't forget training packages only go into operation or changes to them, when states and territory governments sign off on them, right, because they are often funders, despite all of that work, about one quarter of all VET program enrolments, that's full qualifications, skill sets, etc., which are government funded, were not in training packages. And that share, that roughly um, one quarter, one fifth, I should have said, rather than one quarter, uh, that share of enrolments has been consistent for years. So here we go. In the first three months of 2021, only the community services training package had more enrolments than non-training packages. Let me go through the top 10. Community services, 161,695 enrolments. Non-training package, government-funded enrolments, 146,750. The next training package was construction, plumbing and services, only 71,450. Now, that's a lot of people to work in construction and plumbing when they graduate, but it's half of the enrolments that weren't in a training package. And then it's business services, about 57,000. Health, about 47,000. Electro-technology, 41,000. Tourism, travel and hospitality, 33,000. Automotive industry, retail, service and repair, about 30,000. Nearly 24,500 in metal and engineering. And agriculture, horticulture, conservation and land management, about nearly 23,000. So we've got 23,000 doing agriculture and 146,750 government-funded enrolments, not in training packages. And again, worryingly for the TAFE sector, 
while historically 80% of those government-funded non-training package enrolments have been in TAFE, over the last five years, there's been nearly a 300% growth in government-funded enrolments non-training package in independent providers and a 185% increase in the last 12 months. So governments are making changes about where they want their funding to flow and assuming that the next National Skills Agreement does reflect what's in the heads of agreement that was signed by the Prime Minister, the Premiers and Chief Ministers last year, we can expect more contestability in how VET funding is allocated. So lots to do uh, for the TAFE sector, particularly for community providers. And at this stage, independent providers largely look like they're in a good position. Uh, But again, um, I would caution those of you who work in independent providers and are listening, uh, there is no guarantee that government policy settings will remain stable. So continue, I think, for all providers to keep an eye on uh, opportunities to grow fee-for-service offerings um, and obviously to deliver on uh, government-funded activity. That's it for this week. Back with a guest uh, next time uh, we've got the podcast for you. Thanks. Thanks.